Welcome, my historical nerd friends. This is Historical AF. I'm Keena. And I'm Dion. We are a historian and a special guest bringing you the morbid and funny historical nuggets you never knew you needed in your ear holes. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Dion's back! Yay! And this is the first episode we've recorded since the election. Oh, God. What? Man, how do you guys hang hold up those few days? <laughs> well, I live very close to City Hall, so I went to go spend the night somewhere else. That's very smart. It was a uh, it was a stressful few days, and it's our it's still stressful. Not gonna lie, we're recording on November thirteenth, and like right now, you know, people in my house are being like, "We're just planning like Trump won," and I'm like, "That's not how this works." So that's a uh, concerning. The election made me, I watched Hamilton twice and every time I cried because it hit so different. (laughs) This election has been so historic and I've been so excited because, you know, uh, Joe Biden has more public service than any other president in history. So that's kind of exciting. He's been doing this a long time. Well, he's also the oldest. It's true. And then Kamala, you know, she's a woman. What? And And then, then... african-american she's you know asian descent she is a daughter of immigrants uh she's a badass her career is just amazing i i'm the records person for my floor so like we have to clean stuff out and i'll come across something and it's got like her signature on it from when she was you know (gasps) can't remember attorney general yes attorney uh, general of california i I work in right no attorney general because I do legal stuff, so. Mm. And I'm like, ooh. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then Dr. Jill Biden, first doctorate, and she's going to be the first first lady to have a full-time job on top of being a full-time first lady. So that is really she exciting. She can handle it. Yeah, and she's a community college professor. Like, I don't think community college professors get enough love for what no. they do. They're so integral to just our society, and it's just so exciting. And she is just... Amazing. Yeah. And she's Italian American. Her father's from Sicily. I saw today. I didn't know where he was from. And then the first, second gentleman, first gentleman, second gentleman, he's Jewish. So I'm like, there's so much happening. (laughs) My nerd brain is exploding. Uh, And the dogs, the dogs dogs are coming back. The first rescue pupper. (sighs) I I, I saw the the clip of. Joe Biden's interview where he's like, I'm sorry, champ's a talker. And hey, champ, you want to go golfing? <laughs> I love them already. And what else has happened? Or I haven't recorded since October 24th, I think. So something like that. Yeah. So yeah, in 2020, like every hour something new happens. So it's. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to Google something so I'd have a little, like, background info to kind of clear something up for you guys. And um, I was typing T, and I wrote F. So it's going well. It's going well. We're going to, we are really going to see how this goes. Functioning brains are overrated. Uh, I haven't had a functioning brain since, like, Saturday when my migraine started. Oh, yes. Dion, thank you for being here, even though you have been through it this week. 
There's like a COVID outbreak of her job. She had a migraine to the point she had to go to the emergency room during a pandemic. And now she's dealing with all the side effects of all the medicines they gave her. It's been a week. Oh, and turns out migraine caused by a sinus infection. Yes. Yeah. Because she lives in California and all the smoke and all the pollen and all and the wind. Things. Yeah. And wind. Oh, and getting COVID tests scratches all your membranes. So oh, it yeah, left all that stuff in. That's not fun. Yeah. Ugh. So. Although I watched The Bachelorette when they had all the guys COVID tests and all of them were like gagging and like crying and their eyes were watering. And they're like, oh, it's the most horrible thing I've ever went through. So when I went to get my COVID test, I was like, oh, this is going to be horrible. And then I was like, okay, my eyes watered, but it wasn't that bad. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I As soon as I, because ours are all drive through so we don't mm-hmm. interact. I drove away from the little site and then I had to pull over because my eyes were just like tearing. I'm like, okay, I'm yeah. going to wait until this is done. Yeah, I will say that I think it's advantage to do it in your car because then you have the headrest and they're not like, so you're not instinctively moving away from it. So I think that takes longer if your head's jerking and they're like, we got to get it in there. So Oh, no, I, I have to do it myself. Oh, God. Oh, I'm so glad I didn't have to do that. So uh, <laughs> I've done it three times. Oh, and they're like, OK, so here's you know the Q-tip. And they're like, you have to get this much in your nasal passage. And I'm like. Really? (laughs) They're like, well, it has to be at least like an inch in, and then you have to do the circles, and then you do the other side, and then you put it in a little tube, break it off, twist it, put it back in the bag, put your mask back on, and hand it out the window. Oh, yeah. No, I had a nurse do it. I'm so glad I didn't have to do that myself because I could just like, she's just like, breathe in, breathe out, jab, (laughs) wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. And now I totally get the Ryan Reynolds just far enough to tickle your childhood memories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is an experience I was hoping that I would not have to have, but I guess life experience. <laughs> <laughs> Embarking on the third wave, so send in love and all that to everybody uh, out there that everybody stay safe. <sighs> I'm pretty sure Texas is still riding their first wave. Yeah, I don't think we ever got out of it. Same thing with Arkansas. I've been really concerned about my mother. So the my hometown is a huge retirement town, so mostly Chicago retirees. Mm-hmm. So the median age is like 65 mm. <laughs> and not great for COVID. And then yesterday they said that 50 out of 1,000 employees of the hospital, which is the only hospital in the entire county, has covid and then 17 people have died. And I'm pretty sure the town only has like 12,000 people. So that's like Oof. a huge percentage. And I'm <laughs> just threatening my mom, like, do not leave the house. Do not even open a window. <laughs> just, no, yeah. just, and she's like, it's so hard. I'm like, it's not as hard. Like, think about 1918, right? There was no Netflix. There was no internet. Like, we can do this. Just don't oh leave God. your house. <laughs> Friday was the first day I had internet. I had no internet last week. Oh, that it was would be very rough. interesting. Oh my god, <laughs> I have like three hundred DVDs, but you know, without internet, I was like, "What do I do all day?" <laughs> oh man! And speaking of things that makes twenty twenty a son of a bitch, we are trying to spread a little joy this year. So we started a, mm. a holiday card exchange. So if you want to join that, that's open to everybody. 
And then if you join Patreon, you can be in our gift exchange. We've done it twice already, and it's always been a really good time. Just a way to, you know, make somebody smile when the world is on fire and it's a dumpster. (laughs) I saw a dumpster fire 2020 Christmas ornament. (laughs) I legit think I need it. (laughs) I don't know which one I like better. There was another one that had the dumpster fire and then it was surrounded with like Clorox wipes and toilet paper. <laughs> it's not like, like we need to commemorate this year, but no, I mean, I don't want I, anything that says 2020 from this year. <laughs> but it's like at the same time, you know, think about your like grandchildren, great grandchildren, like digging that up someday and be like, what is this? And be <laughs> like, about let this me tell you class. the story of 2020. <laughs> You know, a month later. And that was the first month. <laughs> oh, God. And uh, although if you are Jewish and Wiccans, their New Year's already started. So, so lucky bastards. I know, right? <laughs> so they got out okay. So maybe we will do. We'll find out. But yes, I'm just excited about everything happening in our country. And I know some people are not happy and that's fine. But I'm sure you don't listen. But uh, no, if, if they listen to any of your other episodes, they did not stick around. Yeah, I've already been called a terrorist because I believe Black Lives Matter. So I'm like, at this point, what else are you going to say? Like, he left a really nasty review calling me a terrorist. And I'm like, I don't think you know what that word means, sir. But all right. Delete. No. The thing that really got me so emotional, and like I've said, we've talked about the steps of fascism and the things people do, and the last time somebody really rose to power like this, the nationalism, you know, it took a world war to unseat him, and we did it with our votes. Yeah, but we did it with democracy, you know, and that is just, it's so incredibly powerful to me that we voted, and he's gone. Well, he will be gone. He's going to be gone kicking and screaming, but you know. He you is know, a toddler. Also, hear me out. Pay per view. <laughs> we all pay, and I'm sure our deficit would go way down. <laughs> I, I would pay all, everything I have. <laughs> I think I sent you the screen grab of something that said uh, Secret Service has uh, leaked information saying that Trump will have to be escorted out of the White House, kicking and screaming, and underneath it said, "Don't threaten us with a good time." <laughs> Exactly. All I can think of is like he should just give up, <laughs> head on to Argentina with the rest of the Nazis, have his Evita moment, and leave us alone. You know? Yeah, that's I'm what okay I'm with hoping that. for. Yeah. Uh, most of my family are very um, intense uh, Trump supporters, so this has been fun. Uh, but yeah, it's been really interesting the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. So, and then also thanks everybody. I've been late the last two episodes <laughs> uh, editing. So, thank you for putting up with me. But um, you had surgery. You have an excuse. Oh, yeah. I forgot to say what this episode was. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's fine. But we're it's tired great. and medically <laughs> fucked up. It's, we are doing 19th century outlaws and/or criminals. Dun, dun. So yeah, outlaws. Oh, my favorite fact I've ever learned since moving to Texas is going to be like in my top of my story. And I can't wait to see your face. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you want to just jump into? Do you want to go first since you got the, the morbs? <laughs> <laughs> do 
to be fair, it's only morbid because, you know, there's an obituary at the very end. Yeah. It's, that's, that's how all these, I was like trying to find the funny. And I was like, no matter what I do, somebody's getting murdered or executed. So, so it's outlawed. That's what happens. Yeah. So, you know, it's very loosely interpreted. <laughs> oh, all right. So I guess I'll start off. Yay! Um, I did Eleanor Dumont. Ooh. Who, I guess she did not like her nickname, but it was Madame Mustache. <laughs> guess why she didn't like it? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Why wouldn't she love yeah, that wonderful? Uh, uh, thing? Apparently, she would pull a pistol on you if you used it. <laughs> oh, that poor, poor woman! Yeah, it was just an unfortunate name she earned later in life. All right, so Eleanor Dumont. You know, it's eighteen hundred, so not a whole lot on record keeping or you know facts in. Uh, the newspapers because that didn't matter yeah so she was most likely born in new orleans to creole parents sometime between 1829 to 1834 so five years that's actually not bad for this time period that's true (laughs) plus you know a lot of times nobody cared to write down when girls were born yeah it's uh she had a habit of changing her name oh so reinvent herself (laughs) kind of so she was born probably simone jules she went through most of her life as eleanor dumont so there's like nothing about her early life and anything that they did have is like i said most likely (laughs) allegedly (laughs) allegedly i found it on more than one website so we're going with most likely (laughs) She traveled through mining camps and towns as a professional blackjack player and dealer. Well, that's badass. So back then it was more often known as, I apologize, this is in French and I don't, I don't speak French. <laughs> Vinet un. Sounds fantastic. Translates to 20 and one. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yes. So it's kind of the early precursor to blackjack. There are a couple different rules and whatnot. At this time, it was more common to play a game called Faro at the card tables and casinos. So 21 was actually a more high-end game. So she kind of set, that's how she set herself apart. She was playing the classy version. Ooh. So Faro, just to go back, Faro was... Not quite poker, but closer. So you kind of had to count for it. It's yeah, it's got like fourteen cards to play a hand. It's ridiculously complicated. Oh man, I would be so bad at that. Yeah, <laughs> too many Again, rules. Too ADD. Yes, <laughs> too many people. Too many variables. Can't handle. I wish I had the brain that can do that. Like the badass people that can. You know, Count cards and yeah, that'd be it's such <clears throat> a cool uh, skill to have that I don't too much math. My, that's what it is. There's too much math. <laughs> My high school geometry teacher used to get paid by casinos to sit at tables and point out card counters. He was so good at math that he could tell you which person was. I can't even fathom being able to do that. He uh, he actually used to be the head of the USC math department, and then his sister died, left him millions, and he decided to 
teach high school in like a very a rather poor area of LA. <laughs> wow. And then cuz he had all the time off being a high school teacher. Yeah. He just traveled the world. What a cool human. He was very weird. <laughs> Anyways, back to the story. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1849, she arrived in San Francisco, California. And set up a table at the Bella Union Hotel, which oh. is California Historical Landmark 656. It was a major site for the gold rush. Mm-hmm. So it was a casino gambling den in the middle of San Francisco at the time, which was, you know, booming with gold. So a good time. Pretty much. <laughs> So she was well known for her skills and usually the only female dealer in the entire place. That is amazing. What a badass. And she only allowed well-behaved, clean men at her tables and there was no cursing. (laughs) The power to be like, get up. No. At the time, she was very beautiful and she managed to charm all of her customers So she won most of the time as the dealer, but no one ever, like, came back at her for it. So she was very good at sweet-talking her customers. But she was eventually let go from the Bella Union under suspicion of being a card shark, (laughs) which actually seems more like they were trying to get rid of her because she was making too much money off of them. I I would imagine. From there, she went to Nevada City. California. So she showed up in, she had made so much money at the Bella Union that she showed up in full finery like silks and ruffles and changed her name at this point to Eleanor Dumont. Very fancy. So she didn't start off with another table immediately. She wandered around in a coach, dropped herself, had herself dropped off in the middle of town in all the fancy dress. This is a mining town in the 1850s. This is 1854. Uh-huh. They hadn't seen anybody that looked like this in a while. And she just would walk up to empty storefronts of out-of-businesses mm-hmm. and peer in the windows. And nobody knew what she was doing until she released advertisement, quote, the best gambling emporium in Northern California. What a power move. The Vinet Un on Broad Street. I love her. I know. <laughs> so, again, the house won more often than not. And then she uh, kept them placated with free champagne oh. with the losers. Well, that's well she's taking in so much money. <laughs> she, you give them a glass. She can give them some champagne. <laughs> yeah. She's already opened it for herself. It's fine. <laughs> So she was well known to only drink champagne at the tables and whatnot. So women were prohibited in her establishment. Oh. Except for her. Well, that's smart, actually. She's a clever girl. (laughs) She was. She was very clever. So she eventually took on a partner after a couple of years of doing extremely well. Oh, she took on a partner named David Tobin. And they expanded opening Dumont's place. Oh. So 
He was a silent partner because she named it after herself. <laughs> As one does. Yeah, why not? You did. She did all the work. She did all the work. She she created a brand, mm-hmm. and she's just building on it. So it was so successful. They were running up to a dozen games a night. Oh wow! Eventually, the mining dr- dried up in Nevada City, so she moved on to Columbia, California. She set up a table at a local hotel, and she kind of got tired of this life. You know, traveling with the miners, basically. Yeah. So she bought a ranch in Carson City, Nevada. Oh, wow. She was like, eh, eh, I got enough money. I'm just, so she bought a cattle ranch. Must be nice. To just like pay cash for <laughs> freaking estate. <laughs> right. Although Cal- Carson City, Nevada, I don't know if I, there's enough money in the world to make me go out into the middle of nowhere on a ranch. I can't do it. <laughs> I'm I'm city born and bred. I don't like being outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> While she was in Carson City, she eventually met and fell for Jack McKnight. So Jack was a handsome, well-dressed man who was supposedly a cattle buyer. Oh, you said supposedly, so I'm assuming this doesn't go well. <laughs> no. This facade served him well as a con man. So less than a month after they met, he disappeared but not before he sold her ranch all of her cattle and left her with with some substantial debts oh my god yeah he conned the wrong woman (laughs) dumont was extremely resourceful she tracked him down and when she found him she opened fire with a double blast from a shotgun yes queen yes thankfully this is the mid-1800s she was female, and there were no witnesses. <laughs> <laughs> well, a little old lady just could not do such a thing. Well, I mean, let's see. This is probably like 1860 at the time. Couldn't have been more than 30 at this point. She's not a little old lady. She True. was just pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, like, there's some bigger fish to fry in the 1860s in the U.S. They're probably very, like... Very, very true. No, no need to waste resources on something like that. Pretty much. So they let her go. (laughs) No charges at all. Unfortunately, this kind of left her alone and destitute because he sold everything. Yeah. So she had to return to the mining camps. So around 1861, she goes to, oh, dear God, (laughs) Kiosh, Nevada. Sounds great. Set up a new table until the mines would dry up, and then she'd move on to the next one. Then she eventually made it to Montana, where she went to Bannock, Helena, and Fort Benton, and she made a place for herself on what was known as the bloodiest block in the West. Oh, wow. <laughs> and Thriving. Then there, <laughs> she's proved she could hold her own. Yeah. So she, she's been reported in... Just a lot of crazy places from the Old West. Salmon in Silver City in Idaho, Corinne, Utah, Eureka, and Virginia City, Nevada, Deadwood, South Dakota, Tombstone, Arizona, and eventually she would make her way to Bodie, California. Oh, wow. So she literally followed the mines. Yeah. Well traveled, that one. 
I don't know if I'd want to travel her route, but (laughs) (laughs) follow the money. (laughs) Kind of. So at this point, you know, she starts aging. (laughs) Unfortunately, God forbid a woman age. Oh, I know. How dare us ladies age. I know. So she started gaining weight and she developed a dark line of hair on her upper lip, which would later earn her the name Madam Mustache. Aww. So she was because she was no longer considered a beauty, the crowds at her tables became rougher, you know, God cursing, damn. telling dirty jokes, because she's not the pretty young flower now. She's an old haggard woman. That is such bullshit. Fucking patriarchy. <laughs> it's going to get worse. Don't worry. No. <laughs> so she ended up taking on some of these traits, switching from her signature champagne to a straight whiskey. Ooh. Yeah. Although I love whiskey. But I started there, so. (laughs) I'm ladylike. So eventually the ladies' crowds began to kind of slow, and she expanded into being a real madam. Oh. At some point in the 1860s. So she would actually, her version of promotion, which was absolutely scandalous at the time, was she would take her, she would parade her prettiest girls through town in an open carriage. Oh. Just to show them off. Mm Mm-hmm. And, I mean, she was extremely recognizable with her mustache. No. She's a good businesswoman. Like, she knows how to market herself. She did. So she she showed off her prettiest girls and, hey, come see, this is what I've got in my bordello. (laughs) Wow. And like I said at the beginning of the sh- the story, nobody was to use the name Madame Mustache in front of her. Yeah, I don't blame her. Somebody tried that shit on me. I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I do. I mean, you can't like shoot people today. Uh, it's frowned upon. But I would have strong words. Oh yeah. Let me pull up the photo. I have a photo here. So oh, that's bah, bah, boom. So that's when she was much younger. And then this is when she became a madam. <laughs> oh, that's like a legit mustache. Yeah. It, it was very unfortunate. Aww. So, nobody, nobody helped her shave it? No, sadly. It, it, it didn't go That's so that unfortunate because well. it's probably some sort of health condition, you know? Yeah. Like, and- the like PCOS, you know, the weight probably. gain and the hair. Yeah, it's so unfortunate that in her time that she'd be, like, ostracized for something she couldn't help. But yeah, like Michelle said, you got to admire her hustle. Hey, she she was recognizable and knew it and used it to her advantage. Yeah, she definitely she broke a lot of barriers because a lot of those businesses were not welcoming to the women folk. So... No, they were not. Like I said, she was normally the only female on the on the casino floor. Yeah, that's amazing. What a All right, awesome so we got a couple moment. of uh, stories that have no proof, but <laughs> they were there several times, so I thought I'd share. Yes. So at some point while she was in Deadwood, uh, she became friends with Calamity Jane. Ever heard of her? Right. What a name drop. <laughs> she also heard that a not a ferry boat, the steamboat. 
The one with the big wheel on the back? Yeah. Right? Not losing Team my Boot. mind? <laughs> Team Boot. It's all right. We're both really out of it this week. Oh, Lord. She heard tales that a steamboat coming up from somewhere else was infected with smallpox. So she actually forced them to continue on at gunpoint when they tried <laughs> to stop in her town. Yes, that's smart. So she got up from her table, pulled her pistol, and went to the dock and aimed and told them if anybody tried to go off, she was she would open fire. That's that's brilliant. So unfortunately, around this time in her life, women were more common in the camps. Mm-hmm. And it made her less of a draw at the table. And this is where it all goes downhill. Oh, no. <laughs> so she made it to Bodie, California. She was there for about a year, and she began running low on funds again. So she had to borrow $300 from a friend to open a new table. This is about $7,740.43 now. Oh, wow. Oh, I love inflation calculators. (laughs) I know, I did that too. (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately, a few hours later, she was flat broke. Oh, shit. That'd be unfortunate. (laughs) Yeah. It did not go her way, unlike everything else in her life up to this point. Yeah. So she closed up shop for the day, wandered a couple miles outside of town, and drank red wine laced with morphine. (gasps) Her body was discovered on September 9th, 1879, by a sheep herder. Oh, no. With a letter that stated she was tired of her life. Oh, that's so tragic. And the residents of the town, because she was so infamous, raised the money for her funeral. Oh. And a couple of thing, a couple of places said it was the largest funeral Bodhi had ever seen. I would hope so. What a badass. And here I have her. The Bodie Morning News from September 9th, 1879. A suicide. Yesterday morning, a sheep herder, while in pursuit of his avocation, discovered the dead body of a woman lying about 100 yards from the Bridgeport Road, a mile from town. Her head rested on a stone, and the appearance of the body indicated that the death was the result of natural causes. Ex officio... Coroner Justice Peterson was at once notified, and he dispatched a wagon in in charge of H. Ward of the Pioneer Furniture Store (laughs) to that place, who brought the body to the undertaking rooms. Deceased was named Eleanor Dumont and was recognized as the woman who had been engaged in dealing a 21 game in the Magnolia Saloon. Her death evidently occurred from an overdose of morphine, an empty bottle having the peculiar smell of that drug being found beside the body. The history connected with the unfortunate suicide is but a repetition of that of many others who have followed the life of a female gambler, of course. Sorry, I didn't read all of this. (laughs) (laughs) You were surprised too. (laughs) Yeah. With the exception, perhaps, that the subject of this item bore a character for virtue possessed by few in her line. To the good-hearted women of the town must we accord praise for their accustomed kindness in doing all their power to prepare the unfortunate woman, woman's body for burial. 
So the town actually came together and buried her. Well, that's actually quite amazing. I mean, they still called her unfortunate. <laughs> but it's like the well, actually... I mean, unfortunate because she did complete suicide. That's true. But I mean, it's really great that they didn't like shun her for being a madame or I think at this point she was traveling too much the uh, madame portion I believe was uh, when she was in South Dakota oh okay the story of her death made it all the way to New York in newspapers oh it was kind of crazy I was looking the uh, some of the sources had just sadly the woman known as madame mustache has passed away I was like oh my god nobody will use her name (laughs) That's uh, so unfortunate. Just to be that much of a just boss, you know, and then the one thing people get hung up on is your mustache. Fuck. (laughs) Yeah. So she was known for being a classy French lady in mining towns, which was unheard of before her. Yeah. That was phenomenal. You always bring it with the badass women. I'm so excited. <laughs> I didn't mean to this time. I was going to do two men that, you know, murdered people for money. But, you know, <laughs> last I thought I'd change. stick with yeah, last minute change. Wow. I'm so glad I know about her, though. What a boss. You know, at any other time, like, you know, I think it's just the era she was in is why things just kept happening, you know, like. She was going against the tide, you know, like women weren't in these spaces and women weren't business women. And of course, people try to take advantage of her. But, uh, oh, I think I skipped a story. (laughs) (laughs) I did. Yay, there's more. There was one point where, oh, so the story goes at some point, two or more men tried to rob her while she was leaving a gambling the gambling establishment she was working at and instead of pulling out her purse she shot the two men and walked away (laughs) there are no records of this but also two men getting shot in an alley outside of a gambling den not really newsworthy back then it's true yeah that's amazing she's just like no not today there were multiple stories like that of her pulling pistols on someone who tried to rob her so i thought that one was funny just because she was trying to leave and she reaches into her little skirts to get her purse and instead pulls out a pistol and shoots them both and just keeps walking (laughs) it just seems so classy it is and i mean it's not funny that somebody died but it's just funny she's just like i don't have time for your shit like i'm not even gonna give you the satisfaction of being scared (laughs) you were dead now yes god Oh, the West uh, was a wild time. I'll show you what happened to the last man who robbed me. <laughs> yeah. Cat. <laughs> like, tell your friends, never mind, you can't. Oh. I'm sure, like, word spread, like, don't mess with her. Oh, yeah, that was in a couple of the articles <laughs> after her death. What an interesting person. All right. So, like I said earlier, it's really hard to find, like, a, a funny... <laughs> When you're talking about outlaws, because they're just murdering people all willy nilly. So this isn't going to be like a knee slapper, but (laughs) it's going to be like just, you know, some uh, fun facts. So the wild, wild west 
And not the movie that had, and I checked, a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. Why? It's so terrible. It's hilarious. I know. I actually enjoy it. I mean, it's not like going to win an Oscar. But... Oh, no, no. It's also nowhere close to being historically accurate. Oh, no, not at all. But, I mean, Will Smith looked pretty good as a cowboy. I'll give him that. It was entertaining. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've seen it multiple times. <laughs> oh, I know. I've seen it multiple times. And I, that song slaps. So yeah. it, <laughs> like, it holds up. Because he did that. And then he did Men in Black. Like, yes. Right. <sighs> and then they both came out. They had songs for both of them. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I enjoyed <laughs> So what is the Wild West? geographically is the part of the United States that is west of the Mississippi River. So if you think of like the St. Louis Arch was the gateway to the west and then, you know, in Arkansas and Fort Smith, that was the gateway into the frontier and stuff. So around that area. And historically, it was the period in the latter half of the 19th century and a little bit of the early 20th century. Historically, I'm going to get on my soapbox now. (laughs) Authors and historians and artists and filmmakers have been very guilty of creating this almost mythical version of the United States expansion to the West. It's very romanticized and it's like. You didn't murder a bunch of Native Americans and take your slaves with you. This is where we're heading. Yay. It's not a huge shocker. That they were looking at it this way because people were writing it as this as it was happening. So it's only from the white man's perspective. Exactly. So disclaimer, it's going to get a little dark before it gets all fun (laughs) facty. But that's not my fault. That's American history's fault because it's always super dark before you get in anything fun. So yeah, pretty much. (laughs) All the background information is horribly depressing. And then you find one little moment. Of entertainment. Yeah, exactly. So, enter Manifest Destiny. It's that old 19th century doctrine and or belief that the expansion of the United States throughout the American continents was both justified and inevitable. So, indeed, for an embarrassingly long time, the country heralded the triumph of, quote, civilization over, quote, savagery, which was just fancy talk for stealing land and murdering natives. They were justifying all this from the very beginning. In his multi-volume account, The Winning of the West and Other Historical Writings, Theodore Teddy Roosevelt admitted that the shedding of blood was not always, quote, agreeable, but deemed it as a, quote, healthy sign of the virile strength of the American people. So yeah, fuck he, you, Patty. Yeah, he also used to kidnap people and into, yeah. what is it, military service of yeah. some sort? Yeah. Not a good look. Not a good look, Teddy. No. As president of the American Historical Association and as oh president of the United States, Roosevelt also said, our manifest destiny to swallow up the land of all adjoining nations who were too weak to withstand us. Okay, one. They a lot of them were not weak. A lot of them were sick because nasty ass Europeans brought over diseases they've never been in contact for. That's not their fault. Also, two, they avoided Europeans like the plague because they smelled like shit because Europeans didn't bathe and they wore the same outfit and they were caked in just filth. And there's a lot of reports of natives just being like, whatever you want, man, just I don't want to breathe you anymore. Because <laughs> like, it is a 
in most native cultures, bathing is very important. It's very important. It's part of like their daily life, but also like their spirituality being part of like the the water in the springs. That's why most of them are so sacred. And yeah, so they were just like, I don't know. My mom and I still do some of those rituals, Mm -hmm. just things that we've passed that have been passed down. Yeah. Like uh, bathing my hair in honey. And it actually gets rid of all the um, the buildup in your scalp. Ooh. Baths with rose petals. Yeah. But it's good for your skin, you know. They did and these it, things. They were clean. And they didn't get sick from everything else until the Europeans. Yeah. This next sentence is not great either. So he also described it as, quote, desirable for the good of humanity at large that the American people should ultimately crowd out the Mexicans from their sparsely populated northern provinces and the re- and rest the rest of the West from Indians. Okay. No. I'm angry. <laughs> yes. I, I My blood just boils when I read this shit. There's no, like, excusing any of this. I think that's why it's just so infuriating. All right. So Frederick Jackson Turner was his contemporary. And in his 1893 essay, The, quote, Significance on the Frontier in American History, he argued that westward expansion was the central role in the history of the United States. So he's saying that it not only enlarged the nation's territory, but had also accounted for the individualistic and democratic character of its people and institutions. So in his view, the process of moving West separated Americans from their European roots. This history is infuriating. It is so infuriating. And from what Turner and his contemporaries referred to as the great American West, then sprang the sources of American exceptionalism and American greatness. And this hits so different now with the Trump era and, you know, make American great again bullshit. It's, it's never been great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so different rereading this, you know, from when I learned about it in school, just the whole American greatness and us being very exceptional. Um, so, yeah, this definitely hit a, hit a little harder this time. <laughs> and this was the ideals that formed the basis of American history until recently. So, luckily... Oh, yeah. Historians are rejecting this romanticized version of the Old West and have actively tried to dismantle this myth and accentuate the reality of American civilization, which is that there are human casualties and environmental costs to American expansion. It wasn't this, like, beautiful, wonderful... Like the fires in California, because the natives are no longer allowed to ritualistically burn through the brush. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of... There was a lot of price to pay for expansion and still paying so it's not like all gunslinging and cowboy hats and fun blah blah blah. like it's necessary to learn this well-rounded and factual history and luckily it's starting to happen and this is one of the many reasons why history is important and contemporary historians are absolutely necessary in society despite what some people think another mini soapbox moment it's fine i mean my my major was heading towards history anyways before mm-hmm. I dropped out. So It's so important. I mean, another reason historians are so bomb is because they're actively trying to push beyond the white male protagonist version of history. So all of this was written from one side. And so according to the Smithsonian, quote, scholars of the American West turn their attentions to the expectations and experiences of the unsung and the undone. So in the revisionist history, 
the Great West <laughs> didn't look very great anymore. It was all gloom and doom. And a lot of historians were like, all right, we went too far. So it went from like magical, mythological, romanticized to just to like tombstone. Fucking, yeah, just evil. And, you know, so they're like, we need to find some middle ground here. <laughs> so. And the most fascinating Western histories, in my opinion, had been written in the last quarter century, and they confront the complexities of the past and the present. So this is a good summary, and this came straight from the Smithsonian, hence the big word. Yay! (laughs) Quote, this begins with the recognition of how deep that past is, with histories that commenced well before the West was American, and with excavations that reveal the diversity and dynamism. Why is that a hard word to say? Dynamism of the Native Native America prior to the arrival of European colonizers. From archaeological and other sources, historians have now recovered rich pre-colonial worlds and complex societies that continued after Indians encountered people from Europe and Africa, weaving a fascinating new understanding of how Natives and newcomers met and mingled. Rescuing indigenous people from the condescension of the New Age romanticism that turns them into ever-peaceful, perfect ecologists, newer historians have shown how Indians not only resisted European colonialism, but also in some parts of North America carried on their own expansions. The best of the newer Western histories detail as well how prolonged interactions resulted, resulted in ethnic crossing as well as ethnic cleansings. Most visibly, the intercourse produced mixed-race offspring, but historians have also tracked a wide range of exchanges that led to the blending of cultures. Such amalgamations have remained a hallmark of Western American cultures in the 20th and now 21st centuries. So, all this to say, the history of the Wild West doesn't need to be this romanticized one, um, because that's delusional. We need historians to show this complex history and show how you know, there was ethnic cleansing, but there was the mingling that, you know, a lot of cultures did combine. And history needs to challenge us more. So it's a thing like nobody wants to think about our ancestors, if you're European coming over here and doing these atrocities. But we need to understand it and actually talk about it because silence does nothing. And we can't move on as a society without acknowledging what really happened. And We also just need to keep on including those who have been silenced and forgotten. So that's really important to history. So that's my soapbox. Yay. Uh, The Wild West was a shitty time for a lot of people. I'm not going to lie. You mentioned telling the stories of people meeting different, like coming into interactions with the Native Americans. And I swear my only thought was blazing saddles. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, now that I've made it a downer, we're just going to do some fun facty things. Starting with the favorite thing I learned when I moved to South Texas. I'm going to put this down because I have a feeling you're going to make me choke. In 1856, the United States Camel Corps was an experiment by the United States Army. (laughs) (laughs) Camels! Yes, there was a camel at the Alamo. And I was like, why is there a camel at the Alamo? <laughs> my whole, my brain is like, I'm a fairly intelligent person. I've I've studied history. Nobody's ever told me about camels in Texas. I'm not going to lie. That is brilliant because between like Texas and Arizona, there's all that desert wasteland where they you know put the Native Americans now. But yeah. camels would do great in that. 
Yes. And the reasoning was that the arid Southwest was a lot like the deserts of Egypt. So the army imported 66 camels from the Middle East. (laughs) Despite their more objectionable qualities that people complained about because they spit, they regurgitate, and they don't listen if they don't want to. The experiment was generally deemed a success. As the Civil War broke out, exploration to the frontier was curtailed and the Confederates captured Camp Verde. After the war, most of the camels were sold, some to the Ringling Brothers Circus, but others escaped into the wild. The last reported sighting of a feral camel was in 1941 in Texas. (laughs) This brings me so much joy. Presumably, they're all dead. Yeah, presumably no more descendants are left because nobody has seen a wild camel since the 40s. But you never know. I would just wander out there and find a camel. Yes. So if you ever like, I need to go to the Alamo and I'm in Texas and you see a camel, you'll know why he's there now. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) All right, some more fun facts. So the... Famous tin type photograph of Billy the Kid shows him with a gun belt on his left side. So for many years, people thought, oh, well, he's left handed. But tin type cameras produce a negative image that appeared positive once it was developed, meaning the end result was a reverse of reality. So it took a really long time for people to figure that out (laughs) and realize that he was right handed. All right. And there's another reason. So there's another photo where he's posing with a Winchester model 1873 lever action rifle. And that weapon appears to feature a loading gate on the left side, but they only made them on the right side. So they're like, boom, double proof. He was right handed. I don't know why this matters, but apparently people are very passionate about knowing if he Whether was, he was right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a it few, makes sense. A few more fun facts about Billy the Kid since he's, Considered the most famous of the outlaws. His real name was Henry McCarty. A little less. I would have changed it. Yeah. (laughs) And his first run-in with the law came in 1875 when he was assisting a local street tough. That's what they said on History.com. And I thought that was funny. uh, Known as Sombrero Jack in stealing clothing from a Chinese laundry. (laughs) There are so many things wrong with that sentence. Yep. Huh. I'm wondering if they were actually Chinese or if they were just some form of, you know, Asian. They might have been because during that time there was a lot of uh, Chinese immigrants and they were treated like shit. So yes. I would imagine that would be real. Um, oh, oh, no, I'm just me. Mean- I'm just meaning like at yeah, that point, would they have made any difference to them? They're like, oh, probably not. Yeah. You um, look like one of them. That's what we're going to call you. And he also never robbed a train or a bank. Unlike other outlaws like Jesse James, Cole Younger, or Butch Cassidy, he didn't make his living as a bandit. Or a band. Abandon. A bandit. (laughs) Pronunciate. Pronunciate. The young gunslinger stole an occasional horse, but he never held up anything. Outside of his gunfighting days with the regulators, his main criminal enterprise was rustling cattle. Well, I mean, that would have been the easiest way. It's true. Probably There's the most less profitable. witnesses. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. And I mean, what are you going to do? They just rebranded the cattle and moved on and there was no... Seems like the easier, easier way out. The kid was also known for his easygoing personality, but he wasn't afraid to draw a six-shooter when provoked. In a four-year span between 1877 and 1881, the baby-faced outlaw was involved in shooting nine men. At least four he killed single-handedly. He was only 21 years old at the time of his death. Sorry, Blazing Saddles is stuck in my head, and now all I can think is, this is... That your hand is steady. This is my shooting hand. <laughs> it's in there and now it won't go away and we're just... We're going to just roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize he was 21 when he died. That's... In, well, I mean, really middle age back then. Well, that's also true. <laughs> and he was shot right next to the heart by Sheriff Pat Garrett. So, Ooh. he did. Although, conspiracy theorists think he faked his death. Of course. In the late 1940s, an elderly Texas man known as Brushy Bill Roberts even claimed to be Billy the Kid in the flesh, but his story was discredited after family records revealed his birth date was in 1879. So, womp womp. Other investigators have since theorized the kid lived to be an old man under the alias John Miller. Miller alleged remains were exhumed in 2005. And they planned to compare DNA, but they never did it. And it didn't explain why that didn't happen. So probably wasn't enough to actually compare. (laughs) Maybe you are. I, I don't, I mean, I don't think he had kids. So I guess trying to figure out descendants and stuff. I don't know. I didn't look into it. And if he did, it was at a bordello and he didn't know. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But despite the controversy, historical records show that his body was positively identified by several different people so it most likely he did die the famed gunfight at ok corral wasn't much of a shootout and it did not actually take place at the ok corral (laughs) so another time pop everybody's bubble so it's one of the most famous gunfights in history the shootout between the three Earp brothers doc holiday billy claiborne and two clayton brothers and the two mcglory brothers but it wasn't really all it was cracked up to be Despite the involvement of eight people, the gunfight only lasted 30 seconds. Well, that's disappointing. Right? (laughs) Even more, the shootout didn't take place within the OK Corral area at all. Instead, it was a shooting outside the current intersection of 3rd Street and Fremont Street in Tombstone, Arizona, which is behind the corral. So, we've been misled our whole lives. She was a short but bloody fight. Three of the Lao men were injured and the cowboys were killed so i mean all right 30 seconds did a lot of damage i'll give them that this one <laughs> i have a tangent for this one so yeah you outlaws were as notorious in their own lifetimes as jesse james though he lived a quiet existence in kearney missouri after his bank robbing days were over old friends and enemies never forgot him after Jesse was murdered, he was buried in the front yard of his farm to thwart grave robbers. People are gross. After the years passed and his enemies died off, they're like, all right, let's put him in the family cemetery. Grave robbing was going to be my story that I ended up not doing. <laughs> yeah, people are gross. Yeah. It was very uh, profitable. 
It was. So the weird thing about Jesse James is that there is also another Jesse James grave in Granbury, Texas. A man named J. Frank Dalton came forward around 1948 at the age of 101, claiming that he was the real Jesse James. A court even allowed him to legally adopt the name. (laughs) No one knows why Dalton made this claim or if he ever had any link to Jesse James, but DNA shows decades later that Jesse James is the one actually buried in his family cemetery in Kearney. All right. My story is Jesse James uh, retired in St. Joseph, Missouri, where my father's family was. So the Hawkenberries. There's like an area called Hawkenberry Hollow. And Ooh. my ex, uh, who I was with a embarrassingly long time and we don't like, um, his ancestor is Jesse James. So our f- ancestors would have lived in the same town together. So I've always just wondered, like, he probably fucked off or fucked off (laughs) fucked over my ancestors i'm like this is probably some like generational bullshit that i can't get away from him probably yeah so uh oh so convincing the public of an outlaw's death could be a challenge so it became custom to photograph the body outlaws were often posed upright against the wall and photographed really quick before they all got stiff (laughs) Uh, so the photographs were also necessary to be used for proof to collect rewards basically if there was no picture there was no guarantee that the outlaw was dead so it's literally the og picture it didn't happen all what? right blew my mind i just dropped something all right <laughs> it's going well despite what movies suggest as many as one in four cowboys were black and that, Thank I think, you. needs to actually show up in more movies. African yes. cowboys handled cattle. They worked on ranches. They tamed horses. And they even appeared Besides in blazing saddles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somewhere between 5,000 and 8,000 black cowboys were estimated to be part of the cattle drives in the 19th century. Some were slaves brought to the West by their white owners. But many continued their trade after emancipation. So they were a huge part of this. And people just conveniently. No credit. So, yeah. They get no credit. I know. Not today, though. You get all the credit. Yes. So the whiskey that was sold in American saloons was a combination of burnt sugar, alcohol, and chewing tobacco. And it was really strong. Mm -mm. (laughs) So gross. And cactus wine was also a popular drink. It was made from a mix of tequila and peyote tea. Sorry, wow. there's a part in Avatar, The Last Airbender, where they drink cactus juice and they all start tripping balls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would imagine, like, peyote would knock you on your ass. You're uh, going to have a fun night, as they said when I got my shot. Yesterday, day before, I'm gonna see sounds. <laughs> uh, when I I took uh, a lot of art history, I know I talk about it all the time because I'm a nerd, but it was um, African. Yeah, it was African art history, and we got to watch a bunch of shamans when they drink. It's it, the, the version, yeah, their version, you know, and it no, was showing them South America. Yeah, that's South something America. like that. I can't remember what it is, but we were watching them drink that and then them have their like spiritual like extension. It was the coolest thing I have ever seen. But yeah, they were like tripping, but it was, it was amazing. 
but it was like sounds yeah and it was it wasn't like people were just recording it like they gave them permission to watch and it was respectful and stuff but it was really cool and i just love that stuff because man it's it's amazing yes i am fascinated but yeah like the traditions and a lot of uh, so many cultures do that with where you drink the the you know the the trippy tea. tea yeah and then you have like uh what's the word i'm looking for a, a vision quest yeah <laughs> i'm smart i know things i uh, know anyway. uh zach efron his down to earth with zach efron show did a really cool portion of one of their episodes on going to uh iquitos i think was oh it? cool it was i can't remember if it was in Iquitos or in Lima. It was in South America, but they went to a shaman retreat, basically. Oh, cool. Where they treated people with, like, substance abuse issues. And, like, one of their things was they did the ayahuasca vision quest, and they would had, like, smoke cleansings. It was really cool. Oh, I need to watch that. It looks really interesting. It was. So, fire water, a common term for whiskey at the time, originated from early traders throwing whiskey on a fire to prove to the Indians that they had high alcohol content. Fair enough. <laughs> they don't want the they don't want the weak shit. Don't want no, that. They're used to drinking peyote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and other fun names for whiskey was bottled courage. Okay, bug juice. I don't want that one. Coffin varnish. Oh, God. <laughs> Fire water. We already said that. Dynamite. Uh, this yeah. one's funny. Get warmer. <laughs> Definitely. Joy I juice. Whiskey. I get sleepy. <laughs> Me too. Neck oil. I don't get that one. I mean, I guess it slides down your neck. I don't know. Don't know. This one either nose paint. Maybe because oh, you're nosy burns. red. Yeah. No, you get if it's that. If it's got chewing tobacco and like, oh, yeah, it's gonna come up in your nose and burn. Mm-mm. Nope, nope, nope. Tarantula juice, yuck. Tonsil I'm- varnish, <laughs> snake pizzen, uh, scamper juice, and tornado juice. I can see the last one, the other ones confuse me. Yeah, some of them, yeah, that's all right. Yeah. I went whiskey tasting in Scotland. And I'm pretty sure I killed my liver for a few days. <laughs> you have to apologize later. Sorry, liver. Here's some water. I'm sorry. Well, Don't it was uh, 120 proof. Oh, yikes. yeah. Yeah. Oh, that I, burns. I, I, you, oh. <laughs> oh. There was so much. So this I saw on the ParCast blog and I couldn't find the source because I'm assuming it's in like a newspaper.com thing that you have to pay for. So I'm trusting their sources, but this was too funny not to include. A Perfect. cowboy and a fur trapper got into an argument over whether wildcats had long tails or not. The dispute is settled when the trapper shoots the cowboy dead and the, the coroner declares he died of ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, sorry for that guy that died, but it was still really funny. No, that's that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. And also, does that mean, uh, what's his name, Jack McKnight, that uh, Eleanor Dumont shot died of 
self-inflicted gunshot wound because yes, he did that absolutely. to himself. <laughs> I like that logic. I believe. Yes. I'm okay with that. <laughs> All right. This one gets weird. Dr. John E. Osborne made shoes, a medicine bag, and an ashtray out of the skin and skull of an outlaw named Big Nose George Parrot. I mean, finding <laughs> books in human skin is very popular. Yep. The doctor wore the shoes for his inauguration as governor of Wyoming in 1893. Oh, <laughs> in the 1950s, his remains were found in a whiskey barrel where the doctor's office used to stand. The thigh skin shoes. It was his thighs. And the skull ashtray. It is very specific. They're now on display at the Carbon County Museum in Rollins. So, if anybody goes and sees that, take a picture and send it to me. I'm morbidly curious. <laughs> Texas was the most active gunfighting state with some 160 shootouts from 1850 to 1890. To be fair, it's a large state, but also, wow. On November 24th, 1835, the Republic of Texas established a force of frontiersmen called the Texas Rangers. The Rangers were paid a dollar twenty-five a day for their services. Uh. The members of the Texas Rangers were said to be able to quote ride like a Mexican, shoot like a Kentuckian, and fight like the devil. There's a lot of there's a lot. I have an issue. There's issues. So many issues. All problematic. So there's a Texas Ranger Museum here in San Antonio, and then there's one in Waco. I haven't been to the Waco one yet, but it's like the official Texas Ranger. It's really, I mean, it's really interesting if you're really into like Bonnie and Clyde. They're the ones that took them down. So a lot of people probably know them from that. They have a replica of the car here with like stickers for the gunshots and stuff, but and like pieces of their clothes. I almost did them for weird, but somebody else is doing weird so i did not do bunny club but if you join patreon one of the that was me i sent you the link dive. before i forgot oh, okay one of the drunk dives is on um highwaymen and it go into the history of bonnie and clyde i actually went to their graves last year and it was really wild because clyde's is all like clean and like neatly done it's like a historic cemetery but bonnie's is just covered with gifts and flowers and there's like nail polish and makeup and good for her. Screw yeah. Him. Yeah. Like her mother would not allow them to be buried together. So well, she, she was technically still married. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a wild history. Anywho. Uh, sometimes cowboys refer to beans as defeat. <laughs> Sorry. Deceitful beans because they talked behind their back. And the last little nugget here, female bandit Pearl Hart was the last person to rob a stagecoach in the Old West in 1899. So I like it that a woman went out with a bang. I almost did her because, I, well, I found my story by looking up a list of, like, Old West outlaws you've never heard of. Oh, yeah. Very interesting. And I'm a thousand percent sure we'll do this topic again. So I didn't want to go into too much detail on people. Because we'll probably cover them at some point. so Or they'll Man. fit into another topic at some point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, like, some of them people have talked about on other podcasts, like, a thousand times. Like, Bonnie and Clyde, I think everybody's done. Done to death. Yeah. So, I liked I liked our drunk dive just because, you know, we did it from the movie perspective and mm-hmm. fact-checking and stuff. So, that was pretty 
pretty fun. That was a really good movie, by the way. Definitely check it out. <sighs> yeah, so next week, my topic is really good, and I'm really excited. So doing spooky, and it's in my old neck of the woods, and I'm really excited because it's something I, I know about. Spoilers. He's haunting the fuck out of <laughs> Northwest Arkansas. <laughs> Anywho, this was a great episode. Thank you so much for joining me. No problem. I learned Sorry it so had much. to be like a kind of rush job on it. No, no, this was perfect. I learned so much. I had no idea about her and her unfortunate nickname. Yeah. <laughs> it, I didn't use her nickname as like for anything unless it came up so i tried to go by the name she went by for most of her life yeah no it was great give her a little dignity (laughs) (laughs) oh well thank you for joining me and we'll be back next week with hashtag history's coming back yeah so super excited if you want to watch these episodes live and comment along and crack jokes with us and you know have fun that's patreon.com slash historical af pod and like i said in the beginning we're doing a gift exchange which is always really fun and then we're doing a card exchange with everybody so should join that that'll be on the website hopefully i'll do that if not it's on our social media (laughs) uh and then also if you're on social media this historical af pod Across the board and keep a lookout because there's some discounts coming on with like merch and stuff coming up because the holidays. And good night. And what else? If you want to send in a story for this month's extra AF, that's historicalafpod at gmail.com. And if you just want to email me, someone emailed me the other day, just wanted to geek out about somebody they discovered in a book and that made my life. So yeah, just email me. <laughs> I'll geek out with you anytime. Yes, and that's also great about our uh, secret Patreon group. We all share really nerdy shit all the time. It's amazing. <laughs> all day. It. Yes. That's all I do. I think today we had like some ancient Egyptian cat jokes. Oh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. This You're welcome. I, yes. Anytime. So you came back and... uh We'll see you next week. Okay, bye! Bye!